man. I wish someone would love me. Hey, I love you. <gasps> Let's kiss. Wedding bells. Meet my weird family. There's a lot of kooky characters in it. You'll learn to love them. I love you. I love you. And we're comedic. <laughs> Can't believe how much I fell in love with Blockbuster Film School. In a world where there were a lot of podcasts. I wish there was someone who really understood me who was a podcast. Then one day came Blockbuster Film School. Hey. With the free Wi-Fi from the coffee place down the street, they found a way to be Blockbuster Film School together. I don't know what love is all the way, but also sometimes it finds a way that you are what you think you are as you are love now. Sure. And you were Blockbuster Film School. And I knew. I knew really deep inside that I loved you. This Valentine's Day, it's Rom-Com, the podcast. <laughs> Only at Blockbuster Film School. Well, everybody, welcome back. Love is in the air. Love! Love! I would do anything for love. Love! I would do even that thing that Meatloaf said he wouldn't do. And uh, it's Valentine's Day. You are here at the Blockbuster Film School. You've come to learn, come to learn about movies and movie-related nonsense. And we are here to teach you as your professors. I am Mr. Alex Bonner, or you will call me (laughs) Dr. Alex Bonner. I didn't go to fake Blockbuster Medical School for nothing. And I am joined by Dr. Nicholas Souder. Love! Also, singer, a doctor of love. Love! A doctor. Was the Michael J. Fox one? Doc, the, Doc oh, Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. Yeah. That's a romantic comedy. It is. And then, guess what? We're doing romantic comedies or rom coms. Rom coms. And we're going to go through rom comedies, romantic coms. This one's going to be a little looser. Because, I don't know if you guys know this, there are 900 million romantic comedies, I think, that were made. I think 100 million of them by Nora Ephron. So, we're going to get into that. What was the first romantic comedy you remember, Nick? Or uh, that you liked? We can go either way. Technically, the first rom-com I ever saw was the first movie I've ever seen. Oh. It was at the drive through I saw Coming to America. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a great one. Yeah. Very good movie. Uh, everyone's hilarious in it. You said it earlier, Eric LaSalle. Eric LaSalle. Going for the fucking bleachers, trying to steal that movie. Let the soul glow. Yes, absolutely. That fake commercial where he's in with his shirt off and his hair is glowing, literally yeah. glowing. It's amazing. That's going to be, I don't know, will it make my wall? That's interesting. Oh, I guess we'll leave you in suspense. But I will say, right out of the gate, one of the ones where if you haven't seen it, you need to do yourself a favor and see Coming to America. That is... One of the great last of that classic era of Eddie Murphy, the 80s, early 90s Eddie Murphy, when he was, dare I say, truly funny. Although that SNL that he just did, that like finally did an SNL a couple of weeks ago, and it was pretty goddamn hilarious. But the first time I recognized that it was a romantic comedy, I saw Joe versus the Volcano randomly. We randomly got a VHS copy of it that we owned, you know? VHS copies for the people like Dylan who were born in 2011 are things how you used to watch stuff before streaming, before DVDs. They were these shitty cassettes you would put into a VCR and you'd have to adjust the tracking and that would never do dick. And you'd have to hope the tape wasn't screwed up enough and you could actually watch it. 
but my mom would buy out of the dollar bin at the farm or, or something, you know, random stuff that no one wanted. And that was one of the ones. And I adore that movie. That is the first Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan vehicle. It didn't do well at the box office because it's insane, but it's really fun and weird. I blame Dan Hedaya. He's great in there, but <laughs> I blame him for the it's, audience not showing up. It's also the first part of that movie is like a Fritz Lang metropolis. It's a goddamn nightmare. It's a nightmare. But then it becomes so, it becomes a dream. Yeah. It becomes beautiful and wonderful. And Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks look like babies. They look like children in it. They look like goddamn children. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But I love it. This time, there's not going to be a huge historic overview. We're just going to talk about yeah. rom-coms. But I do want to shout out the element that the initial idea, and this will come back, the rom-com kind of begins with Bill Shakespeare. If you've never heard of him, then he was the He's the guy who doesn't get as much work as George Wentz. And Chris Farley from the Superfans. That's correct. Right? Yes. He's the other one. Yeah. He's just the writer. Not Mike Myers. Right. He's just the writer one yeah, that they bring exactly. on. Yes. Yeah. So there were a lot of Shakespeare's plays that were comedies, but they were also romantic. And that was kind of a new idea. Obviously, there have been kind of Greek plays that played with this that had been around for a while. But of this lasting concept, it sort of is credited to begin with in the Western world with Bill Shakespeare. And then with movies... It's very early on. I would say some of the Charlie Chaplin movies are romantic comedies, kind of. Um, There were many, many movies that I guess you could call in the silent film era romantic comedies because they're goofy, but they also have romance. You know, it just kind of goes hand in hand in all movies. You want to spice it up? Yeah, you want to spice it up, a little romance in there. You know what I'm talking about. No, Luke should kiss Leia, but he's his sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. The audience doesn't fucking know that. They're going to kiss. Oh, we ain't going to release this movie. But... What ends up happening after World War II, though, obviously, sound becomes ubiquitous in movies. And then you really start to solidify and you really start to have romantic comedies really begin to appear. Do you have any black and white romantic comedies that really kind of jump out at you that you like? Some like it hot. Yeah, it's great. Billy Wilder. I mean, all the Billy Wilder stuff, like The Apartment as well. Yeah. It'll be something we'll talk about, too. Much like a noir, rom-coms kind of have rules. And we were talking about this earlier, kind of the difference between maybe a rom-com and a romantic comedy. We'll talk about both. Is that romantic comedies can kind of play with dramedy, you know, and things like that. They can have those Billy Wilder elements where there's some serious stuff in there, too. It ends up being a happy ending the vast, vast majority of the time. It ends up being fun. But it seems kind of sad at certain parts. It seems kind of... In order for that romance to hit high notes, you know, it's got to be kind of sad. Yeah. And Wilder is one of the first. And if you haven't seen something like It Hot or The Apartment, please do. They're great. Jack Lemon. Yeah, rush out to your local Netflix right now. <laughs> yeah, or Amazon Prime. Although, God damn it, we have to do that. Fuck you, Bezos. I'm on record. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Alexa, turn off the FBI device. <laughs> what about that microchip that they put inside of my molars? Anyways... We won't go too much into black and white ones because there were a bunch. They were called screwball comedies back then. Yeah. His Girl Friday. There's some really great the Maltese Clark. Falcon. <laughs> no? no. Am I, did I misread that? It's a Wonderful Life. That part where the bank gets cleaned out and all the people are like, my home. I let my balls so off. <laughs> he tries to kill himself, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking sucker. They should recall that capitalism is a wonderful life. <laughs> It's the romance between a man and the and fact that he hates his money. Yeah. <laughs> but, George Bailey, you're going to go bankrupt. I'm going to go bankrupt, pal. But it is interesting because there's the black and white era there. There's the 40s. 
and the 50s that have quite a bit of these movies that are fun comedies and the guy and girl get together and they establish these rules, which are that there is somebody, either the male or female character, something happens, they're down, they don't have love, right? Or they mm. don't want love. Ooh, that's interesting. They've been jaded by love somehow. They don't want it anymore. They're upset with it, but they secretly want it. And then something happens, a meet cute of some sort, where they bump into somebody or put into a zany situation with somebody. I don't like you at all. I don't like the cut of your jib. I don't like it. You have a mustache and you're an Italian. I've had enough of this. And leave my personal <laughs> life out of your rules. Yes, but they get over it. They get over that, you know? And then by the end of the first act, normally they, they either kiss or they f establish like, I kind of like you. Something about it, I like you. And then through the second act, they develop the relationship. And then by the end, and there's a lot of kooky characters, a lot of kooky side friend characters. Oftentimes there is a subplot involving their kooky side friend characters also having a romance happening. And then by the end of the second act, they break up, right? Something happens. And we can talk about different ones and different popular ones. But then by the third act, now there are some great romantic comedies that do not end happy, but... Or they end bittersweet. Yeah. Those are mostly with queer gay people. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of true. Hollywood just yeah. loves a good gay yes. tragedy. Yes. That is very true. Chasing Amy, for instance. Yeah. Um, Brooke McMountain. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't a comedy at all, I don't think. I don't I don't remember the comedy part of that. It's it good. It was funnier than the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> All those angly comedies. Yeah. The Ice Storm, that hilarious part where they fry Frodo. Um, I laugh my ass off. I laugh my Hulk. balls off. I love it. But then by the end of the third act, and then this kind of difference, in a true rom-com, they get together. You know, they get together. Everybody gets together. The subplot comes together. They get together. Yeah. Everybody is happy. It's a love storm. It all works together. So well, let's just talk in a about- romantic comedy, mm. they just- Progress as people mm -hmm. and they learn something. Right. And they overcome whatever. Right. And they use that for their next relationship right. mm. unless it doesn't make enough money and there's no sequel. Or if it is a happy ending and it's really good, they've figured out something that was causing this and they actually have a thing that connects them and it works together. One of the ones that comes to mind, and, and we'll get back to it, but like, I love High Fidelity. High Fidelity is one of my favorite movies. If you haven't seen it, the Stephen Furs, John Cusack movie, it's amazing. And at the end, spoiler alert, he does get back together with his girlfriend, but he has to figure out how to not be an asshole in certain ways, and she has to figure out how to not be an asshole in certain ways, and their relationship is different than when they were together before. The last kind of historical thing I wanted to establish, though, there are ones, and we will talk about them. The 50s and 60s, there are romantic comedies. Like I said, Billy Wilder's still running around. That's not really our wheelhouse as much. I have not seen as many of them. So we are referencing this, and because it's rom-com, I feel the true era of rom-com begins kind of in the 80s. I know there's Annie Hall, we'll talk about that a little bit, and Woody Allen and those kinds of things, but the rom-com begins and then really establishes itself in, like, the 90s. That's when it blows up, yeah. because in 89, and maybe we'll begin there, we can kind of go back and reference stuff from the 70s, but that's when you have When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. That's when Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron team up and they make When Harry Met Sally. And also, you were saying, also in some of the Landis stuff in the mid-80s, like Coming to America. Yeah. That, that's when it really starts to blow up. The late 80s, I would even say definitely Trading Places. Yeah, absolutely. Trading Places is 100% romantic comedy. 
the, American World from London. <laughs> I mean, it kind of. Kind of. It's like a. It's funny. That's like a romantic horror comedy. Yeah. Which subgenre of a subgenre. Sub, subgenre. There are many subgenres of yeah. this. Because we were talking about this earlier, Die Hard is a romantic comedy action, action film. Movie. Yeah, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas movie. It's like seven genres. Yeah, that's why it works. That's why it's eternal. It is. It is. McTiernan understood what he was doing. Yeah, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, let's just get into it. What's some romantic comedies that just kind of jump out at you that you want to think about? Honestly, when you're going over the rules, mm-hmm. the one that popped in my head right away, it's not even on my list, is the not well loved box office not a hit <laughs> Danny Boyle movie, A Life Less Ordinary. Oh, yeah. Ewan, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, when he's super- Ewan McGregor, Cameron Diaz, Dan Hedaya. Oh, yeah. Delroy Lindo was the last time when he brought him up. I've and many uh, moons ago. Holly Hunter. I saw that, probably rented it on VHS from Blockbuster Video. Can you explain just briefly what that yeah, was? Because I'm, I'm not going to lie, I owned this Ooh. movie. So the movie begins in heaven where Dan Hedaya sends Holly Hunter and Delroy Lindo to Earth to make a couple fall in love because... There's not enough love on Earth. And the meat cute is Ewan McGregor gets fired by Ian Holm, mm. who is... Always a bad guy. Always a bad guy. He's a bad guy in this. <laughs> his daughter's Cameron Diaz. Uh, he goes back there with a gun. Yeah. He goes back there to man his job. A gun gets misplaced while there's like a fight in his office. Cameron Diaz kicks it to Ewan McGregor. He breaks free, takes her hostage, and then basically the rest of the movie is her explaining to him how to take somebody hostage because he's a fuckwit. And then the subplot is Delroy Lindo and Holly Hunter start falling in love. So you have these two completely insane, like totally grunge, alt, oh yeah, 90s, 90s love stories happening at the same time. And what you wind up with is a very cheesy romantic comedy. Yes, which always. I'm not gonna lie, I like it. I that's part of the. I f- bought it for five dollars. That's part of the fun of rom coms, though, is that they package themselves as light and cheesy. But yeah. as probably a lot of people listening to this know, they embed themselves into your mind and they affect your relationships and they affect Absolutely. your expectations on yep. life and they 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 mess with you in ways that you can't possibly really reiterate until years later when you're like. I sort of have begun to behave like John Cusack in High Fidelity. And you're, did I relate to that character and just see myself in that? Or did it chaos magic begin to appear and I sort of process? Yeah. I don't know that. Also, Beck wrote an original song for this movie. Mm. And that stuck with me for years to the point where after a while, I just started soundtracking my love life to Beck songs <laughs> without realizing that most of them are really sad. Oh, yeah. Beck, uh, yeah. Beck's sad sometimes. Beck gets sad. He's got some emotions. Apparently, he's a real person and a Scientologist. <laughs> well, he's gone clear, so he's in he's, touch with his emotions yes. back millions of years. I don't know if he still is. I've heard of him. He interviews. left now, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. care. His parents were, which is also like a weird thing. It's like well, his wife is too. Right. Oh, that's, ooh. Yeah, so he's her, an SP. Her brother uh-oh. is still in. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, that's a whole thing. Yeah. It is interesting you were bringing up the element of like romantic comedies where something crazy happens. That's kind of a subgenre of that... If you get whirlwinded into some sort of crazy ass situation, that now you're connected and yeah. you have to have a romantic adventure. Trauma love. Trauma love. Yeah, exactly. The Beauty and the Beast. No. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm thinking more like speed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not a. But like in a less way, but like something like Lost in Translation, right? Yes. Where you're in this weird scenario, this very weird scenario that is outside of your comfort zone. If you haven't seen Lost in Translation, it's amazing. Sofia Coppola, probably her 
kind of mainstream masterpiece. And can I interject yeah, real fast? Yeah. I'm going to use something you used to say more often on mm-hmm. the podcast while also quoting something from another Bill Murray movie. If you haven't seen Lost in Translation, pull your head out of your ass. For real. For real. It's amazing. I don't know if you know this. Scarlett Johansson is awesome. Bill Murray's awesome. Spike Jones is even awesome in it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Giovanni Robisi. I mean, it's great. And it's about kind of an aging actor doing commercials in Japan and the wife of a famous photographer who's just kind of stuck in Japan because he works there and they befriend each other. And that's definitely one of the ones that has a bittersweet ending. Yes. Where they kind of form this romance, but it can't work. It can't work. No, and so work. at the end, they have to just sort of be like, in another lifetime, I guess, you know? And it's really beautiful and really a wonderfully executed movie, but a um, little sad at the end. In another bittersweet mm. moments, I've only seen that movie once because I don't want to go back to it mm. because it's perfect. It is. It really is. I also watched it with a woman I was in love with mm-hmm. who had no feelings for me. Scarlet? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> this girl's an asshole. <laughs> uh, Scarlet, you can come on the show anytime you want, even if you and Nick's relationship did not work out. Come I'll, back, I'll be cool. I that's fair. Cool. Well, I brought up When Harry Met Sally. I feel like there's an element where I have to bring this up because Nora Ephron kind of created this mega industry, right? Because that's another one. If you haven't seen When Harry Met Sally, I do love that movie. I know lots of people love that movie. I know soulless, dead inside people do not enjoy that movie. I like that movie. What you I know what I'm saying. Like, just but when you meet people and they're like, I hate that fucking movie. I know. And you're like, man, it's a legitimate what classic. happened to you? What happened to you? Because you're not old enough to have like been in the shit in Vietnam or something, you know, like that made you like for real bitter. Like, you're just like a 35 year old jackass. Like, why do you hate when Harry met Sally? And then they go, well, I haven't actually seen it. I'm a beer rep or something. You're know, like, yeah. oh, okay, okay. Or but- they put all their, uh, college tuition money in Napster stock. <laughs> or there's like, there are these weird people who have weird tics where they just say, oh, I hate Billy Crystal, you know? And you're like, oh, that's not anti-Semitic at all or anything, you know? And there's a sort of weird, like, you hate Billy Crystal? Who are you? What Billy Crystal is a national treasure. Billy Crystal would make 9,000 times better president than what we have. But... I just have to also, mm. I like how quickly you went into your Mel Gibson voice when you said anti-Semitic. And if I didn't say it out loud, I would not stop laughing. It's fair. I won't go into more of my Mel Gibson. Perfect amount. Mel Gibson getting pulled over. That's <laughs> good. What are, you, what are you, some sort of Jewish cop? <laughs> you related to Billy Crystal? <laughs> out of the car. <laughs> Hands on the hood. You know who I am? God will. So Nora Ephron, if you don't know who Nora Ephron is, that's one. Do yourself a little uh, Wikipedia. If you like rom-coms, because you should know who she is. In my opinion, she does kind of uh, fade out. But she made like Splash and Big, you know, kind of came. Splash is Ron Howard. Right, but I think she might have written it. Okay. Like, so she's already kind of coming up with the modern, if you will, rom-com. Yeah, because Rob Reiner directed When Harry Met Sally. Yes, correct. Yeah. But I, th- I same thing. I she think. directed Sleepless in Seattle, which is right. a huge hit. Huge hit. And so she wrote those three yeah. and then, you know, kind of get into that. But I just, real quick, if you haven't met, oh, if you haven't met, wow. Mm, if you haven't met When Harry Met Sally, hey, everybody, welcome to uh, Dickhead. This is uh, a <laughs> fucking Hollywood Video Community College. Hollywood, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a lot better than Family Video <laughs> Trade School. <laughs> Fuck those clowns. And uh, so Harry Metzali does mess with some of that stuff, right? It definitely fully begins with our 
protagonists and our love affair despising each other in their youth. And by the end of the first act, the only thing that happens in the end of the first act is that they begin to not hate each other. <laughs> and then throughout the second act, they've sort of formed this friendship that ends with a inevitable but weird sexual interaction and then the realization that they actually do love each other. And it's interesting, and it's really well-made. They intersperse kind of documentary footage, which is something I'll get when Reiner actually used to be good. You know, he used to do that a lot, play with reality, have these older couples talk about how they met. It's a really cool it's movie. It's, it's, it's a classic, yes. and it's also... It's an adult movie. It's mm. mature mm -hmm. in every aspect of itself, and it works really well for the film tonally and also, like, the characters. and the. It's all perfect. I agree. And I will also say, has one of my favorite B-plot romantic things in it. I have to RIP both of them now, which is super sad, but the oh, Bruno Kirby, damn. Princess Leia subplot of them getting together and being sort of secretly the best friends of both of them is awesome. It's great. It's great to see Bruno Kirby. It's great to see Carrie Fisher. It's amazing. Do yourself a favor. That will be on my wall. And you brought it up. I think we should just go into that because then you have, you know, Sleepless in Seattle. Which is a romantic comedy because that does have the aspects of drama. It, it really does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Try not to fucking cry at the end sequence where they're on the just, Empire State Building and it's like, oh, it's you. Yeah. And then there's the whole just a depressing phone call about his widow, about him being a widow. His ghost wife is there? I know. He fell asleep on the couch and then his ghost wife appears and is like, fuck Meg Ryan. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. <laughs> I think that's how it worked. I don't remember. Welcome to Alex Bonner's fan fiction, erotic fan fiction. Also, I will say that kid's a little bit of a wiener, but what are you going to do? Oh, he's a Millhouse for sure. He's a total Millhouse. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... There is this element, though, with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan kind of being in American cinema, much like, in a way, what will happen with Hugh Grant, right, in British rom-comedy, that they establish a thing. They establish even a further sort of set of rules and things, like you were saying, like adding a little more drama to it. You know, it's still funny. Yeah. It's still good. But it has a little more drama, and it gets a little crazier. And... Sleepless in Seattle is such a cultural touchstone. It really is. I remember seeing it as a kid. I remember seeing it and being kind of blown away by it, actually. And that same sort of thing. Maybe now messing with me later in my personal relationships and expectations and things like that. Yeah. I wanted to live on a houseboat. I was just expecting they'd just give you a goddamn houseboat. Not happening, apparently. No. But The only thing that's off-putting about that movie mm -hmm. is the trailer. I'm still not sure why they used... That Third Eye Blind song in the trailer. It doesn't Third Eye really Blind work. is awesome. I like Stephen Jenkins' lyrics. Anyways, I think I've said that exact phrase. In every podcast. <laughs> it's one of my catchphrases yeah. now. But then, obviously, they make another one. They make You've Got Mail, which was a reference. So there was a thing called America Online, children. It was the internet. It was stupid. Your mom had to hang up the phone so you could look at naked pictures of Jillian Anderson that were not really of her. They no. were fake, but, you know, it counted, kind of. Mom, hang up the phone! <laughs> and when you turned on your America Online, it would say, you've got mail. And then you'd click on it, and it would just be spam. Yeah. So you didn't really have mail. It was bullshit. No. But 
you had somebody telling you that there's a prince exactly in some foreign country who if you send them a thousand dollars and they got out of jail mm-hmm. they would send you fifty thousand dollars when they got back to their home wait really is that a thing can i do that yeah you can interesting that's a good deal it's a great deal that's a great deal and you get to help a dignitary hmm, i'm gonna look into this america online anyways uh you're gonna need a time machine you know what's crazy though that movie is good though it is good it's just and what's spooky is they nailed kind of timely about the rise of Bezos and Amazon and this whole thing about a bookstore owner becoming a weird internet tycoon and losing his humanity <laughs> and the opposite of Bezos being saved kind of by a really cool woman who owns a really cool little bookshop that's an old bookshop that is not going to do the internet thing. And there's a dickhead who runs an internet big time Barnes and Noble that's now going onto the internet and trying to crush out and buy up all the bookstores and they fall in love and it's a weird dynamic and it's interesting. It's kind of timely and it's still funny and it's still well-written. The title is dumb and it doesn't age well, but the rest of the movie really does. It really sort of, and also yes, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are amazing. Yeah. The funniest thing is if a millennial watches it, mm. it'll be like when we watch hackers, they'll just know everything's <laughs> fake. They'll never believe America Online was real. No way. Dude, when you hack stuff, you just type real fast on the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> And you hack the mainframe. Mm-hmm. And then if you put the VR things on, yeah, like yeah. the the internet, which is basically is looks like- a giant mononic reference? It looks like skyscrapers. And then it flies at you. And for some reason, Matthew Lillard is there. It doesn't really- He just turned 50, by the way. Wow, that's serial. Serial yeah. killer. Wow. <laughs> serial killer, like Fruit Loops. Is that a romantic comedy? I don't know. Maybe a little Cereal bit. Mom? I don't no, think I was so. going to- oh, Hackers. Scream? Hackers. Oh, Hackers is neither romantic nor funny. Unless you count Fisher Stevens, not... There's a lot. He's riding a skateboard. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I'm going off of this through line for me. You could interrupt me and go to anything you want. Because we didn't bring up some stuff, you know, from like the 80s. There's obviously Moonstruck, in which Nicolas Cage is the handsomest man in the entire world at that point. He will later become weird looking and still one of the greatest actors in the world. But he's the dreamiest dream man in the world. And him and Cher have this weird electric chemistry. Like we were talking about, I wonder sometimes, and I have to bring this up because we are an R-rated podcast, but I sometimes wonder when you watch a romantic comedy and people don't have any chemistry at all, right? And there are people who have like comedic chemistry in those. Like, I don't think Jason Segel and Jackie from that 70s show fucked. Mila Kunis. Yes. On Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I love, and we'll talk about that, but they're just funny together. They're good. But, man, when you see Cher and Nick Cage, you know, like, that kind of thing. And, like, dude, you, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan didn't fool around. Like, come on. Come on. My butt. Really? Like, you can tell when people have, like, had sex with each other. I'm just putting this out there a little bit, you know? I don't know. I think Dennis Quaid could beat the shit out of Tom Hanks. And I, the fact that he didn't. Dude, but to be fair, this is pre-Dennis Quaid. You know what I'm saying? Like, they knew each other, like, Joe versus the Volcano. You know what I'm saying? Like, when they were children. Just because you haven't had sex in a while doesn't mean that there isn't still this weird chemistry. Like, oh, hi. Oh, hi. You know what I mean? Like. Well, one time I'll let <laughs> you know when we're, I'm in a room with someone and you can notice there's no chemistry anymore. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to bring that one up. What's another one you like? I want to talk about Steve Martin. Bring him up. Two movies. One from the 80s called Roxanne, which is an amazing movie. Cerno de Bergerac. Exactly. Yes. Him with the long nose yeah. telling that flat-faced goon from uh, <laughs> Top Gun yes. how to speak to Daryl Hannah in mm. all of her 80s glory. For real. Yeah. And bangs. It's amazing. And it's also so funny. There's that scene in there where 
Somebody calls him Big Nose. He goes, that's the best you got? And then he gives him a dart and he goes, throw it anywhere. And the guy gets 20 twice in a row. So he has to make 20 cracks about his nose better than that. And then the guy gets angry and he tries to punch Steve Martin. And then Steve Martin just like beats him up without looking. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing. He does this because he knows what he's doing is part of his charm. Mm -hmm. And then that's how he wins over Daryl Hannah. That's how he's a firefighter yeah. in a town full of the worst firefighters since <laughs> the Seven Dwarves. And they, he teaches them how to be firefighters. He teaches Daryl Hannah to love a man with a giant nose. He teaches all of us in the 80s mm. that Touchstone Pictures won't be around very long. So enjoy yeah, this movie. Enjoy this. Also, I will toss this out there. We brought him up as well. But the Gerard Depardieu Cyrano de Bergerac that he does from the late 80s is also really fun and really kind of cool yeah. and is funny and weird. It's back when there was a time when Gerard Depardieu used to be good. Yes. He was not just a giant, weird Jabba the Hutt punchline. He was... With multiple... Uh, hanging out with Putin and shit. Yeah. <laughs> He used to be awesome, kind of. And his version is also, I like it a lot. Yeah. I I think it's in English, which is even weirder. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, that's also, that's yeah. weird. It might be in French. I don't know. The other one I want to bring up with Steve yeah. Martin mm. is L.A. Story. Mm. L.A. Story. It's a great movie. It's such a great movie. Yeah. It's underrated. I feel like everyone's forgotten about this movie. But it is so bizarre, so weird. The character that helps Steve Martin in that movie fall in love and like help him over his obstacles is a sign. It's a mm. digital sign that has ads on the side of the expressway. and just goes, you should have gotten her number. And then Randall just goes, kiss her and just keeps flashing. Oh, that they showed it. I took a class at Columbia and it was my screenwriting class on magical realism. And they yeah. showed that because it is a true magical realism film. It's, set in real life. That's why it's magical realism. And a lot of it is real, but then things will happen that are not our yeah. world. You know, the, yeah, the billboard will tell him things or the thunderstorm will show up and talk to him and crazy things. And you have a baby Sarah Jessica Parker in it. And, Ooh, yeah. you know, I mean, wild stuff. I mean, I really, I haven't seen that movie since Columbia, but it's, yeah, I love LA story. Yeah. And a guy named Mick Jackson directed it, who he was a, a British director who directed a lot of stuff, but he directed The Bodyguard. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's so weird. Yeah. So he was an older dude even then, but he had a weird resurgence in the early 90s and kind of made a couple of big hits. That's crazy. Yeah. Steve Martin. Steve Martin actually has made a lot of like yeah. romantic comedies. He's kind of an interesting romantic comedy lead guy because he's so sort of aloof and. Yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, oh, that's... And then, of course, he got older and he realized that he was old. And he wrote the book and then starred in the movie Shop Girl with Claire Danes yes. and... Um, I didn't see that. Was that good? I don't remember. I don't think so. <laughs> but, like, um, I saw it in theaters, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But he's not Tom Cruise. No. He's not constantly going no. after women 30 years younger than him. And when he does in Shop Girl... He fully acknowledges that he's a weird old guy right. trying to bang my so-called life. I, it's not so much that it's weird when there's an age difference if you're not Woody Allen or something like that. Where If it's addressed in the storyline. Exactly. Like Lost in Translation. Yeah. Where these are two people at different points of their life who are not actively trying to find the other one. They just sort of do. You know, and it just sort of connects. And they weren't trying to do any of this stuff, which I know is a little bit of a middle-aged screenwriter fantasy, 
But it's also the fantasy probably of many male, female, transgender, whatever people in their middle age who are like, wouldn't it be kind of crazy if I met someone who was super young and hot and they were into me or I was into that? You know, like, I mean, I get it. That's how all movies are. They're fantasies that a lot of people seem to have, you know? That's interesting, though. I don't know why I want to bring this one up right now. As the magical realism thing got to me a little bit with, like, The Princess Bride, just because we're kind of in the late 80s, early 90s, because that's another through line and that's Rob Reiner, too, yes? Yeah. Yeah, so Rob Reiner really crushing these romantic comedies, and in different ways. If you haven't seen The Princess Bride, another one. I thought it just got issued to people at some point, or you're just forced to see it. Your teacher's hung over at some point in high school and is like, we're just going to watch this now. This is rated PG. Shut the hell up. I'm going to put my head down on the desk. I know you aren't allowed to do that, but watch the show. I was talking about it before. Peter Falk, Columbo, steals the entire, he steals steals the entire movie. Fred Savage being a tiny Chicago dickhead in that movie steals the movie as well. Carrie Elways and Robin Wright Wright being dreamboats. Uh, Billy Crystal again. Billy Crystal, RIP, Andre the Giant, also maybe being the most memorable person in the entire movie. Anybody want the peanut? (laughs) And then, um, oh, uh, what's his face? Well, Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest is the villain. Yes, Christopher Guest, or one of the villains. Yes. But has Manny Potemkin in it. Uh, super young in it. Looks like a goddamn child in it. My name is Indigo Montoya. You kill my father. Prepare to die. So, yes, do yourself a favor. See The Princess Bride. It has schmaltz. has a great deal of schmaltz in it, but it is fabulous schmaltz. When people yell inconceivable at you, you will now know what the hell is happening. It's worth it. You'll understand a nice trick on how to play a game where you can trick someone into drinking poison. That's a nice thing you learn from that movie. I drink strychnine every day. That's right, to prepare myself. Nope. <laughs> yes, a lot of late 80s stuff. What's another one you like? I'm going to go full oh boy. 90s Do it. sports movie. Ooh. I'm going for Tin Cup. <laughs> I like that you like Tin Cup. I do. When everyone likes Bull Durham, you like of the Costner, Rene Russo vehicles, sports, romantic comedy vehicles. You like Tin Cup. I like Bull Durham. I like Tin Cup too. I do. Yeah. But if the rewatchability one for me, but what do you like about Tin Cup? And then I'll talk about Bull Durham. What I like about Tin Cup is that Kevin Costner is a total low life. He is just like a total dude asshole. Mm -hmm. And like, you have this very respectable therapist played by Rene Russo. You have Cheech Marin. You have Don Johnson playing a A A-class asshole. (laughs) And then halfway through it, he winds up in her office with like a weird short sleeve button down shirt and a clip on tie, like professing his feelings. I just started going to therapy. I kept thinking it was going to be that. I went to therapy in short sleeve button down. I look like a fucking eighties comedian. I have never dressed that way again, but um, she's with an asshole. She realizes this asshole is an asshole, but she likes this guy better. But what I like about tin cup mm. is Spoiler alert, he doesn't win the U.S. Open. Mm -mm. He wants glory. That's his whole thing. He he refused glory. He wound up a pro teacher living in a trailer park. He finally gets back on the big tour. He gets another shot at, like, love and being respectable and all this. And then he just stands there and goes for the same shot from, like, 250 yards away. (laughs) He doesn't learn a goddamn thing. He doesn't learn anything, and he gets the girl. Yeah. Of course I like that. I've been fucking up the same way my entire life. Hey, man. And you're a great golfer. 
I am. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Yeah. I, I get it. I my get handicap it. is down to just one side of my body See, instead of the whole thing. I do have to say, though, because right here, I'm not sure which way to split. Because I do want to bring up Bull Durham real quick. And then there's a movie I have to bring up, which is another romantic comedy, which I adore, which has golf in it. And I'm just going to say Bull Durham is the one that if you want to look at a screenplay of how to write a romantic comedy, if it checks off all the boxes, kind of the same thing. In that one, Kevin Costner plays this beat up old catcher who's never he went to the show. He went up to the major leagues a little bit, but now he's back and he's kind of more of a coach than anything else. And he's supposed to turn Mr. Susan Sarandon in reality into a real good pitcher who's this young upstart. And Susan Sarandon plays this kind of interesting character where she just loves baseball and loves these teams and always picks some guy to kind of mentor both emotionally and sexually each season. And he's a grizzled dickhead, but he's not hes not an asshole. You know, he's this cool character. Yeah. He's Crash. And he has good ideas about to buy somebody for a wedding gift. Oh, my God. Oh, Robert Wool in that movie? You know, candles are always nice. Nice candles. Yeah. And there's a scene where Tim Robbins is drunk, and he's this amazing pitcher who can throw, like, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. And it's maybe one of the coolest scenes in any movie. And he's standing there, and he's super drunk. And he's... Um, so when Kevin Costner first meets him and punches him in the face, and he's like, well, let's go outside, let's go outside. And they go outside, and he's standing there, and Kevin Costner throws him a ball, and he's about 15 feet away from him. He's like, hit me in the face with that ball. He's like, I'll kill you. I'll throw it, and I'll kill you. And he's like, where on the street is, you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a fucking boat. And he's like, all right. And he rears back, and Kevin Costner does not move, and the ball just whizzes to the right of him by about five, <laughs> like 15 yards and smashes a window. It's magnificent. It's a... And you're, yeah, there's such good like comedy beats in it. It's it's a really fun, whether you like baseball or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's a I funny. I don't care about golf. I don't care about yeah. baseball. Yeah. But same director, both Ron Shelton, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who also did White Men Can't Jump, which is kind of a romantic comedy. It 100 percent is. That's a really great one. Like yeah. with uh, Rosie Perez, and she gets on Jeopardy again. She wins. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh man, Woody Harrelson. That movie is funny and underrated. Yeah. Another one that has kind of this doofy '90s title, but has great comedy beats in it. Is a really cool, weird movie. And yeah, see, White what Man has Can't he Jump. Ever done lately. Who? Ron Shelton. I don't know, dude. That's a good thing. We should look him up. He might yeah. be dead. <laughs> well, 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 whenever you have like '90s, you know, kind of cool Hollywood directors. They might have been 70 when they were making it in the 90s. That's a, yeah, that's you know a really good point. Like, ooh. While you're looking that up, I do have to bring up my favorite golf movie. And we'll get into a guy who's in a lot of romantic comedies who I love. I know he's a very polarizing figure. But if you don't like Happy Gilmore, you can go fuck yourself. Because Happy Gilmore is amazing. Carl Weathers. Okay. It's all in the hips. It's all in the hips. I still say that to people for no reason. It doesn't make any sense. And... It was the first time where I realized Sandler kind of had this other side to him where he could be, I don't know, you sort of fall in love with Sandler. You do. He's And like you said, he's a dick. He's an absolute scumbag asshole wearing sweatpants and a Bruins jersey. But he's trying to save his grandma, okay? He's a decent dude who's trying to save his grandma from the clutches of Ben Stiller. And Kevin McDonald plays Shooter McGavin, who was one of the great comedy villains of all time. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? Shut up! <laughs> you know, I was um, I was on the 17th Green the other day, and 
was looking in the woods and there were two big fat bikers having sex. I'm supposed to chip with that kind of shit going on. So do yourself a favor is all I'm saying. See Happy Gilmore. It is worth it. Whether you like Adam Sandler or not, that's one of the ones where, because then it goes into the other one, which is another of my favorites of any romantic comedy is The Wedding Singer. And by that point, it's about 10 years later. No, not 10, but like six or seven years later. And that's a late 90s one. And there's so much good stuff in it. It's kind of a musical in a way. And they figure out that Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler have this weird, goofy thing together. Possibly fucked. And I'm just going to insinuate whatever I see anyone actually having chemistry on screen who actually don't look weird when they kiss each other. You know, this kind of thing. And if you haven't seen The Wedding Singer, also has Steve Buscemi in it. <laughs> it's one of his great... Woo! <laughs> That has Ben Stiller's actual wife, which I never remember her name. Oh, I'm going to be a dick. I have to look it up because I'm an asshole. But she's really funny. She's the lead in Dodgeball. What do you think of The Wedding Singer? You like The Wedding Singer, Nick? No. No? No. You don't like The Wedding Singer? I mean, I don't. dead inside? Obviously not. I don't hate it. Mm. I hate a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Mm. I don't hate The Wedding Singer. I watched it stoned at 2 in the morning, and I loved it the first time I saw mm. it. And then I watched it. Two in the afternoon and a couple days later, and I was sober. I was like, oh, I only like this because I was high. Disagree. And I never went back. You could disagree. It's a different opinion. It's a podcast. You might have been just hungover. Sometimes when you watch something hungover. No, I was, I was sober. angry. Oh, even then, even worse. Anyways, <laughs> uh, there is an Adam Sandler movie I really like that's a romantic comedy. Ooh. Yeah. It's called Punch Drunk Love. Hmm. That's directed by a guy. It's directed by a guy. Um. I don't remember his full name. I just remember mm. he calls him PTA. Ooh. I don't know what it stands for. When you've gotten to that point where everyone knows you by, by your, your initials. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that too a little bit, I think, on the podcast before, but the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson, when his dad was dying and he was like super sad, he would he really loved all those goofy Sandler comedies That's like what he watched all the time. Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, and which Billy Madison is also a romantic comedy. But and he wanted to write a movie for him. He just loved him yeah. and wanted to make a romantic comedy with his style. I love Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. I saw it in the theater by myself. There was not many people in the theater, often with PT movies, yeah. but <laughs> it was awesome. If I, I saw Phantom <laughs> Thread with 30 other people oh, if, at the music box on 70 millimeter. Like, uh, is there is there really nobody coming? Of all the PT ones, though. I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I love PT, but I don't really have any interest in seeing Phantom Thread again, to tell you the truth. Oh, I, I would watch it tonight. I mean, I would. I would yeah. watch it. He's an amazing craftsman. He makes amazing movies. But if you were like, would you rather watch Inherent Vice or Punch Drunk Love? My answer is always going to be The Master. The Master? I would, yes, I would much rather watch. Who was that a romantic comedy? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Pause the podcast. We got to reset. But I love that. I love Punch Drunk Love. And I love that, like I said, these romantic comedies have certain through lines, you know? Sandler becomes this, he sort of stumbles off of Saturday Night Live into the leading man in romantic comedies kind of effortlessly and slowly builds up the chain, slowly goes from just a goofy one like Billy Madison all the way up to P.T. fucking Anderson making one for him, you know? I mean, that's that's wild. That doesn't happen that often. That's... no. It reminds me kind of of like Cary Grant with Roman Holiday, you know, as a trombo thing, you know, the, these guys who started as, you know, back then it was different. 
because it was studio system, but someone figured out, they were like, this guy's good and funny as a leading man in romantic comedy, and that's his thing, and he becomes that thing. And by the time of Sandler in the 90s, it wasn't as ordained by Hollywood, but it was, he just is good at it. It's weird. Now he's good at being a weird middle-aged scumbag character. He just is. And that's not even including Uncut Gems. <laughs> Mirror what stories is good. Also, I mean, Bombach stuff is Bombach stuff. Some of it is, you know, or is it romantic comedies? I don't know. Wes Anderson, mm. definitely Rushmore, I would say. I mean, I agree with you, mm. but I don't, just because of the scene where he tries to, like, force himself on the teacher to make out with her, I, I don't really include that anymore. He's not trying to force himself. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No, he I know. saw romantic comedies. He's obsessed with theater and thinks I have to make the move now. And she's like, uh, uh, no dice. He doesn't like force himself. She rejects well, it. Well, he's a fucking nerdy little dweeb. Exactly. Who doesn't have an ounce of muscle on him. <laughs> so it's easy, but this I'm was, just saying. This was invite only. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are you wearing? Oh, these are my OR scruffs. Oh, oh, are they? You know, I got to say that to a customer. <laughs> I was looking at him. I was like, Please let me do it. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, the Russian more line? He goes, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, like your nurse's uniform guy. He goes, these are OR scrubs. I'm like, oh, are they? And then he goes, no, but for real, this is a nurse's uniform. I'm like, oh, thanks. Thank you for being a nurse. It's hard job. <laughs> it is. Thankless. You should get paid more than yeah. bankers. You really fucking yeah. should. You Nurse, and teachers. Nurses and teachers should get paid way more than bankers. And, yeah. well, garbage men already do. But. Rushmore, though, like Wes Anderson always, we were talking about this, just because uh, particularly like an auteur director like him has comedy in it, I wouldn't call, say, The Royal Tenenbaums a romantic comedy. That's not what I would call it. That's not what it is. Yeah. It has comedic bits. It has romantic bits. It has tragic bits. It's not a romantic comedy. But Rushmore, I think, kind of is. But emphasis on the long romantic comedy, it is not a rom-com which we'll no. get into, which I think we should talk about that a little bit because I think Apatow sort of explodes at this moment. And he will eventually become more full-word romantic, full-word comedy. But The 40-Year-Old Virgin is one of my favorite movies. It is relentlessly funny. I saw it, I was on vacation at the beach, went the weekend it came out, and at the beach it was packed. And people were losing their goddamn... I was losing my goddamn mind. I started blacking out. When I saw Seth Rogen just start... When he explains the whole thing, he was like, well, I wanted to make chicken salad, so I... You know, I went, and I bought a, a dozen eggs, and I boiled, and and in the background, Rogan is, like, blowing his brains out. <laughs> just cool, 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 cool. Like, the... Also, Paul Rudd returns. We were talking about Clueless... Paul Rudd, who will be in many romantic comedy things, Made in Manhattan, which he makes fun of in that movie, <laughs> in a weird meta thing. Uh, he's in it a little bit. Okay, because I don't remember that at no, all. No, he's not like the main character. Uh, no, but it's Ralph Fiennes. No, no one's more romantic than the Red Dragon. <laughs> but all of these people who are now megastars, Carell, Rogan, you know, I mean, Catherine Keener is awesome at everything. She's hilarious in it. Jane Lynch is Jane, huge. Oh, my, Jane Lynch. You know, I mean, it's like all these people who I had never really seen before are electric in it. I mean, goddamn, Kevin Hart's in it for 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Apatow explodes, literally explodes onto the scene with it. It changes the whole game. After 40-Year-Old Virgin, all romantic comedies are sort of judged against the 40-Year-Old Virgin until maybe now-ish, where it's not as 
remembered in that same sort of way, but at least for all of the 2000s. Because also, everyone was trying to copy it after that. Everyone was trying to make a raunchy comedy again. Everyone was trying to get back into that. Because that's something, too, that you get into where it oscillates in terms of raunchiness. You know, you have things like in the 80s with trading places where it's wild and there's nudity and there's lots of sex and violent references and things like that. And then you get into Nora Ephron and that kind of ends and it's like full raunchy mayhem. And then you get into Sandler and it returns, you know, it's sort of whether the romantic comedy is. I have a theory on that. Mm. When there is a Republican in office, mm. things have to be raunchier because be- the comedy has to be like just straight out, just thrown at people. Mm. When there's a Democrat in office, like in the 90s, like Seinfeld, like we we're talking about, like oh a lot of movies, it doesn't have to be super raunchy or super funny. Interesting. It just has to be clever. Interesting. Think about like all like the TV shows and the comedy when Barack was in office compared yeah. to like when George Bush was in office where it was like just the dumbest shit ever. Also a weird bit of just like people being much more worried in general yes, and exactly. having to laugh more, wanting something crazier. Their whole world is crazier. It's like either just stimulating people or just mm-hmm. taking their minds off of everything. Mm. Intriguing. That's an interesting theory. I mean, I kind of agree with it. We can get into it. That's a very interesting future episode to me where we just go maybe by presidents, you know what I'm saying? And these are some of the crazy shit that happened during this and make a correlation between the movies that came out under this, you know, president versus it's that's an interesting correlation. I, I agree with it because I know this is the Valentine's special episode and we have 900 million rom-coms comedies. I want to toss out one of the ones that came of the Apatow era of an Apatow guy, not an actual Apatow movie, but Forgetting Sarah Marshall also, to me, kind of redefined a lot of the genre stuff. There had always been kind of vacation movies. You know, they had made those vacation romantic comedies, but this one really sort of knocked my socks off and has always stuck with me because same sort of thing. I'd never seen Siegel before. Kristen Bell before I had never seen. Why can I not remember his fucking Russell Brand? Russell Brand, before, you know, I knew who Jonah Hill was. He had been in some stuff, but this is the first time I really yeah. remember him standing out to me. Obviously, Jackie is in it. It just sort of works. It's magic, it really is. It all works together. Bill Hader. It has Dracula in it, so Brian likes it. Mm-hmm. You see Jason Siegel's dick a bunch of times, which is yeah. a solid punchline. I. When a man shakes his dick at his girlfriend and then she breaks up with him, it is both bizarrely tragic and somehow strangely real. It's bizarre. It's um, side note of yeah. life imitating art. That's how I spent Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, that's a whole thing. Hey, everybody, that was Blockbuster Film School. That was our last episode. <laughs> um, but um, I want to. I'm just kind of shooting through a couple. We could go to our dumpster. We can go to our wall. If you have any other ones you want to toss in before we yeah, go to these. Yeah, I don't really have anything for the dumpster because mm. if it's not it's, like if it's not a good romantic comedy, then it's it, it's, it's not even there. Is there anything that like jumps out of you though that was very overrated that people really like? That kind of I don't know. That's one that kind of there's a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, can't there's really... like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and all these oh, kinds God. of you know people love Pretty Woman. It's okay. I find I think it Pretty okay. Supremely overrated. I agree, but people seem to love the shit out of it. I really also lo- the term is sex worker motherfuckers. <laughs> that is true. I really like Ten Things I Hate About You. Once again, though, it's based around a lot of these really cool, charismatic young actors yeah. who are in it, and it is a Shakespeare play. It yeah. is much to do about nothing. 
or Taming of the Shrew, excuse me, it's Taming of the Shrew, but you have the Joker in it, you have, you know, Styles in it, you have all these young actors. You have who, Robin in it, too. Yeah, you have... Same all, same series. Yeah, I mean, all these amazing young actors, and they pull it off. Yeah. They pull it off. I don't know if that... You really listen to the lines, and I'm like, these are kind of dopey, but they make it work. And also, I was in high school then. Once again, another thing that has messed with me, maybe, in my understanding of how relationships work based on movies. But did you see Beginners? No. It's kind of... See, Beginners leans to me on more of, like, tragedy. It's not... I don't know. I got a couple of them to throw out. Um, La La Land, you love it. Brian, flip over the tail. My arms (laughs) don't work. Um, Chicago classic, While You Were Sleeping. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, While You Were Sleeping is... Incredibly silly, but also incredibly heartfelt. And just everybody in it's really good. I agree. But I will say this. I don't think that Sandra Bullock and Lone Star slept with each other. No, not <laughs> at all. No. Also how they kiss at the end. I know. Like it's, I've made this reference before, but it, it appears that she is kissing a statue. It appears that she is. In all fairness, though. Yes. That's how everyone ever has kissed Bull Pillman. <laughs> Bull Pillman. Bull, Bull Pillman. <laughs> He like, sold me drugs in high school. <laughs> hey, Bull. I like man. the idea that his name is Bull Pillman but now. Bill, Bill Pullman. Yes. The only memorable kiss that is, like, lively at all is him yeah. kissing John Candy in Spaceballs. Kind of, yeah. Here's one that I like that's going to be a surprise. Uh, how Stella got her groove back. Most people know this, but Tay Diggs is very funny. He saves a lot of the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> Tay Diggs is funny. Angela Bass is kind of funny, too, but Tay Diggs is he is way funnier than you think he is. It's crazy. There are so many reaction shots in that movie where they just cut to Tay Diggs' face, and he just, he makes these subtle little weird, like, I know it's a podcast, but he, he just, do yourself a favor. Just watch how Stella got her groove back. Whenever they cut to Tay Diggs' face, you try not to laugh. I dare you. I dare you. Tootsie, which is... Um, creepy? Creepy now? Yeah. Bill Murray's still funny in it. Yes, he is. Um, oh, Groundhog Day. We didn't even bring up Groundhog I was gonna, Day. I was, yeah. I was getting there. That being one of those ones where, yes, it is a romantic comedy. There's also a story of a man trapped in purgatory, possibly for thousands of years. Yeah. Or he is dead. Or it is about a god ascending to godhood. I'm not the god. I am a god. Apparently the god of war. Morons, man. your bus is leaving. <laughs> Just kind of on my list, Jonathan Demme's best comedy to me, something wild. Um, mm, I don't know. I think Silas Lamb's way funnier than that. <laughs> I mean, I'd fuck me. But there's... That's your license plate. It is. And there's a lot of stuff, modern stuff. We didn't have a chance. Maybe that'll be something we do. We have a full episode, but like Bridesmaids. Because honestly, there's this element, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this, but... I truly, truly believe, particularly with that movie, but like Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy and um, Maya Rudolph, Maya Rudolph are kind of comedic geniuses. Yeah, there was that era of SNL where it was like not Melissa McCarthy, but Wig and Hater, and I mean, it just—it's a crazy, weird moment in time where these people are there and. It's awesome. Also, old school was the romantic element is not as big, but kind of that raunchy Bush comedy, you know, that created its own thing. 
Vince Vaughn, uh, Wedding Crashers, Crashers yeah. which creates its own weird bro frat genre, but Elsa Fisher steals the entire movie. Also, Bradley Cooper. I mean, there's just so much good, funny shit in that movie, though. I kind of like Vince Vaughn as a comedian. I Maybe not as a person, but as a comedian, I find him very funny. I do. I, I always have. I can't take that away from him. There's something about Mary, which for a while was the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. And the Farley brothers put it on the map. Once again, raunchy as fuck, completely insane. That's under Clinton, though. But that's interesting because it's at the end and people were kind of ready for something. Yeah. It, people were ready for it to come back for come to be on Cameron Diaz's ear. You know, it just it's like completely raunchy in that way. But it's there's Chris Elliott in that movie. Uh, spoiler alert, Brett Favre. <laughs> so Favre. Favre. Brett Favre. I mean, I'm just shooting through them now. I mean, purposely leaving out a lot of Woody Allen. Yeah, I'm going to get some weird ones just mm. real fast. Not like a traditional romantic comedy at all, but is how Miranda July would make one, is me and you and everyone we know, which yes. is so bizarre. On the Criterion. It is on the Criterion. It's a great movie. It's just, it's super weird. It's not like, as you were saying earlier, you don't remember any parts from it. I don't. The part that I remember most is... A awkward blowjob scene where somebody had braces, oh and then Miranda July finding the guy who was selling her shoes, mm -hmm. and then hopping in his car at a red light and scaring the shit out of him. That's who he winds up with later. Yes, is a stalker. <laughs> We've completely ignored Hugh Grant. <laughs> He's not on my list at all. He made a bunch of movies. About a boy is maybe my favorite. About a boy's on here. I love about a boy, but that's um. Nick Hornsby. That's Nick Hornsby, yeah. Yeah, who wrote Fever Pitch, which is also kind of Jimmy Fallon's best movie, by Leaps and Bounds. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much saved entirely by Drew Barrymore being awesome. And he wrote the book for High Fidelity, which then Cusack. Also, Cusack stuff. I love it, but, you know, Say Anything, Better Off Dead, the Cusack 80s romantic comedy genres. Really, really good. If you want to check it, I would say Say Anything is of that kind of the top shelf, but Better Off Dead is funnier because Cameron Crowe is Say Anything. Yeah. So comedy, romantic comedy, Better Off Dead, rom-com. Yeah. So Risk Cutter is a love story. It's a dumb fucking movie, but mm. I've watched it a bunch of times. It's entertaining. Kissing at Jessica Stein, not like super great, but good enough. Mm. And it's aged better than it was because it came out and everybody fucking hated it because it was sort of an anti-lesbian, lesbian love story. The most pro-lesbian love story of all time is But I'm a Cheerleader. It's mm, interesting. I mean, and this is me being a dildo, but I, because I'm more of like a mainstream Hollywood guy in terms of, and that's not like a knock. I just, I was talking about uh, the Mike White movie, Chuck and Buck, which is really funny and really good. Mike White's movies are really funny. He wrote... School of Rock. I mean, Mike White's... County. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike White's stuff is really funny. I mean, obviously, just like in everything, you know, LGBTQ things were either in independent scenes. They were hard to find at Blockbuster Video. You know, that was kind of a thing. Mm. There weren't 900 of them on the wall. Like, there's something no, about Mary, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, obviously, Hollywood has been 
biased in certain ways, not exactly in the same way where it was like an active thing. It's like, if it makes money, they'll do it. They don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, there's not a, oh, no, we're never going to make a movie about gay people. It's like, oh, a movie about gay people made money. Now we, every studio is going to make a movie about gay people. You know, it's like, it's more just based around zeitgeist. They don't have actual morals. So it's this weird thing, though, because, yeah, there's lots of funny gay characters oftentimes in romantic comedies that a lot of funny gay best friends, a lot of funny sometimes gay subplots and things like that in the B story, but not as many mainstream romantic comedies yeah. with gay or queer people or transgender as much, you know, which is a shame. And maybe yeah. it should be, that's maybe something. Another one people should check out mm. is The Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love. Mm. It is generally cute. It is funny. Mm. It has somebody in there for many years who I thought was Lori Petty. Turns out it's not her. Uh, as good as it gets. Yeah. Really good. Really good. I like, really good. I, I saw that two times in the theater because I liked it so much. Saw it with my dad, and then I went back and saw it again because I liked it. Wally, kind of something. Harold and Maude. Yeah. More, it's more on the tragic side. Yeah, I know. Chasing Amy. We brought it up for a second. Reality Bites. You know, a little slice of, like, true 90s-ness. As 90s as you can get, but also kind of tragic. Yeah. Not, not as cool, not as... There's funny shit in it. I'm leaving out purposely, we should say this, a lot of musicals, musicals, although a lot of romance, a lot of comedy, musicals, different genre. Love Actually Sucks. I want to throw that out I there. Want that, I'll put that in my dumpster. Yes. Yeah, that there movie's you go. miserable. Oh, the Blockbuster dumpster. dumpster. Also, Blockbuster dumpster. Me, 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 me. So, I know he's going to come after me. I know he's number two. He's number two. In high command of the Scientologist, but Jerry Maguire is dumb. Okay, it is. Yeah, uh, it is beloved. I know it's Cameron Crowe, who I like a lot of his movies. Some of his, I like, I like half of his movies. It's weird, but it's dumb. It's really dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. That kid. Any movie where you make head. an agent the hero, mm. you have failed. <laughs> you blew it. You love Juno. That's your favorite movie. I'm putting that in the dumpster too. <laughs> I don't hate it as much as I you do. do. Juno is pro-life propaganda. <laughs> Get an abortion. Hang out with Michael Sarah. That's a better movie. Yeah, but I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is also a romantic comedy, I would say. But romantic action, it gets into a whole bunch of yeah. mayhem. Romantic action, wish fulfillment. Yes. But if we don't have Juno, we don't get Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> I don't think so. We still have Arrested Development. Yeah, but he was in a movie that got nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards as the male lead. I don't know if it works. Uh, Working Girl, with uh, which we brought up in our Scorny Weaver episode, but Melanie Griffith's really funny in it, and um, obviously Scorny Weaver and uh, Han Solo. And uh, we brought it up. We talked about it a bunch. Mike Nichols, really funny. Really, honestly, worth watching again. And if you want to see how weird the 80s was, there's a lot of shoulder pads. Oosh. A lot. Lot of shoulder pads, um, but yeah, that's that's my that's my list. I'm I know I'm forgetting 900 of them, but uh, yeah, do you got any other for the dumpster? Uh, dumpster, no, I got a couple of ones that aren't like quite in there though, real fast. Um, mm. you brought Noah Bomb back earlier, Francis Ha. It's one of those like it is, it is a sort of romantic comedy, talk about her being undateable, mm. but it is mostly about her, her, her relationship with her best friend, but right. like at the same time, she is trying not to be she's just basically trying to become a person because mm. she's not another one i want to bring up is uh this is not a good movie by any standard mm. but i remember it at the last minute when we we're making the, my list mm. only you 
Not the one with John Candy and Ali Sheedy, the one with Marissa Tomei and Iron Man in Italy. <laughs> Good call. Where Fisher Stevens plays... A uh, brown face. No. <laughs> Surprisingly not. <laughs> but he plays um, Bonnie Hunt's husband, and the only part I remember him in there is he's on a roof on a phone finding out where his wife is, and he goes, my wife's in Italy? <laughs> I appreciate you forcibly trying not to pronounce it roof. I really do appreciate Thanks. you going against your Chicagoness. It's really hard. Uh, Swiss Army Man. Interesting. I'd never seen it. It's bizarre on every level, including the romance and the comedy. Like, you're watching it, you don't even know where the romance is intended. Whether yeah. it's the corpse or it's Ramona Flowers. What's her real name? Ewan McGregor's girlfriend. Ewan McGregor's homewrecker. Oh. Hey, man. She's Ramona Flowers. Yeah, and then... These movies do not fit, mm. but from the before trilogy, before sunset, uh, is the funniest out of all of them. Yeah. It takes place in real time mm. in Paris. They just go from a bookstore to Julie Depley's apartment. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy in there. There's a lot of tragedy. It is very romantic. It's skirting the I, edge. I got I got one for the I got one for the dumpster. A lot of weirdos like it, but I'm sorry. Breakfast at Tiffany's has some next level racist shit in it. Oh my god! As some bad shit in it. It's also not that funny. Okay, mm. not very funny. If you want to see a funny movie with Audrey Hepburn, see Roman Holiday. Trumbull yeah, is a much exactly. better writer. Cary Grant is much cooler. It is much funnier. Also, it happened one night. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, that's a very funny, weird movie. Clark Gable. Clark Gable was a funny motherfucker back in the day. The Graduate. Does The Graduate count? Kinda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Bouvier. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's it for me on my my list. I know there's like I got one more, and then we can go into the wall. Do it, Benny and June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super weird. Back when Captain Jack Sparrow gave a shit. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, he, I mean. He was great for a long time. He, he was great was. for a long time. He really was. Yeah. He really was. And uh, Right up until that point where he made the weird cameo in 21 Jump Street. Mm, kind of love that, though. I know. It's really good. But it's, then after after that, it's like, oh, why isn't he just yeah. doing that? It's also, spoiler thing. alert, <laughs> there's a, a Johnny Depp cameo in the remake of 21 Jump Street. Completely side subject. If you haven't seen that first one of 21 Jump Street, so solid. it's so good. And genre flipping, mm-hmm. changing everything on its head, how characters work. Yeah. You know, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, the miscongeniality, also kind of kind of funny. Still got some funny shit. It's dumb. Yeah. It's super dumb, but... I really like Michael Caine in that. Yes. Yeah. The holiday in which uh, Jack Black makes out with uh, <laughs> Kate Winslet. Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, you've never seen that movie? No, I'm never oh, going to. Oh, man, it's real dumb. It's real dumb. It's uh, Nancy Myers. It's goofy as fuck. Yeah, don't worry. It's dumb. It's probably close to being in my dumpster. Crazy Rich Asians. Big hit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not a... It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just... It's not very romantic, and it's not very funny. I know. It's it's like a straight-up drama. Exactly. With a really good trailer. Yes, and it has funny bits in it. It's just kind of sad. It's kind of sad. They treat that woman like shit because yes. she's poor. Yes. The Big Sick one that I kind of wanted to bring Still up. I haven't seen that. Oh, man, really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. 
Thumbs up from Brian. Does that mean there's a vampire in it? <laughs> no, but it's a Chicago movie. I'm gonna stop making that joke. And uh, Camille Nanjiani like wrote it, directed. It. I mean, yeah. like it's it's really kind of it's really good. Showalter directed it. Showalter, I'm oh, sorry, Showalter yeah. directed, but he wrote it. And also, I love Showalter. And yeah. and also Ray Romano. That was kind of when he took on something sort of different and became this kind of awesome dramatic actor, which. I like the second version of Ray Romano a lot more I than I like. Way better. Way better. Way uh, better. No. Deborah, you can't um, cook. <laughs> him in vinyl. Oh, man, he was so good. I mean, so much good stuff with Romano later now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's it for me, really. I don't... I, don't, I can't think of... I mean, there's 900 movies. There's... But, yeah, okay, let's go to the wall. Let's do it. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. <laughs> I don't know. That's what, that's what I got. So. <laughs> I think we can do five. You want to do five? Let's do five. I got five ready. We can do quick. I mean, we, we reference a lot, so we'll kind of talk yeah. about it. But, but yeah, what you got? What's your five? You know what? My number five mm. is what I mentioned. Mm. Roxanne. Mm. I grew up watching that movie with that's our great. family. We watched it all the time. I love that movie. I like it takes place in the Pacific Northwest, which they did yeah. that a lot in the 80s. It's yeah. a good look. And yeah, Steve Martin, really funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. Worms, Roxanne. I'm afraid of worms. <laughs> I'm literally on five. I'm going to do Groundhog Day. Nice. Groundhog Day is great. It is an elite movie. It truly is. The romance becomes almost secondary with so much stuff going on in it, but it is it is the through line. Yeah. And, you know. I'm it's also not... Michael Shannon's screen debut. It is. WrestleMania. And Andy McDowell is fine. <laughs> yeah, she's a person. She pulls it she off. she says her line. She pulls it off. Yeah. Rick Two Commons in it. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> what if you were trapped in a place and every single day was exactly the same? Well, that pretty much sums it up for me. <laughs> uh, what's your four? My number four. Mm-hmm. We sort of mentioned them. Like I don't know if we did or not, but mm. it is one of their lesser loved movies. Mm. Maybe just loved by me and Needles, Needles and I. Mm. But I love this movie. George Clooney, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Cedric the Entertainer, Intolerable Cruelty. Oh, shit. I love that movie so much. You have a divorce lawyer who literally falls in love with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Billy Bob Thornton has one of the most amazing cameos in that movie. And then Cedric the Entertainer, this is the first time I took him serious, was in that movie. He has a line where he shows Catherine Zeta-Jones footage of her husband, played by George Herman, RIP, cheating on her. He goes, well, I kept expecting him to, uh, you know, mature. I guess he couldn't. And she, He goes, we don't mature, honey. We just get tubby. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It is very romantic. It's one of the silliest movies they made. And I watch it, yeah. and I smile the whole time. Fair enough, man. I fucking, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. My four, I'm going to put Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Nice. There's an element to rom-coms where... There's just certain pieces that just sort of fit for you and you like them and they make sense to you. And at certain moments they came to you in your life and they connected with how you think and how it works. And um, I dare you to watch it and not laugh your balls off because there's hilarious shit in it. The songs that Russell Brand sings. I mean, just you'll yeah. find something in it that you like. Kristen Bell being a complete lunatic. I mean, it's <laughs> it's awesome. Um, our good friend, yeah. Jess Rose and I, 
we used to get wasted and mm-hmm. talk about be around someone we didn't like, start talking about yeah. something we didn't like. We would just automatically go to bullshit, 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 bullshit. Also, the cameos in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jack McBrayer, you know, if God wanted, if God as a city designer, why would he put a playground next to a sewage system? I mean, just, <laughs> and the Paul Rudd in it. Oh, yeah. The, you sound like you're <laughs> from, from London. London. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, yeah, you're that guy from Kaiser Permanente. Um, but... <laughs> It's such a look at me. I'm Miranda. <laughs> oh, this guy, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Do yourself a favor, watch it. Watch yeah. Forget Sarah Marsh. What's your what's your three? My number three is a movie that is in its own romantic comedy genre itself. Itself is its own romantic mm-hmm. comedy subgenre. It is the Zom Rom com. It is Sean the Dead. Oh, yes, yes. What if you try to win back your girlfriend? And you're so hungover, you don't notice there's a zombie apocalypse happening until some dude walks into your apartment and he's got an arm off. No. Batman soundtrack? Throw it. Throw it. (laughs) I love that movie. I'm glad you brought it up. It's Edgar Wright, really. Edgar Wright. I think it's the first real Edgar Wright movie that really kind of explodes out and comes into its own. And as you said, it is a romantic comedy, but it is also... Because we didn't bring it up because I'm going to have to put it on my list. So I'll do it. I'll do it as my next one. I'll just say this with it because I love it. I absolutely adore it. It's an amazing zombie movie, but it's also yeah. an amazing comedy and a romance. It is and a romantic it, comedy, yeah. Yes, and it works in many levels. It's also about your family. It's about yeah. friendship. By the end of the movie, right. Sean not only wins his girlfriend back, mm-hmm. but he before he loses all of his friends, yeah. he has become a better person. He has become the person... Not only his girlfriend wanted him to be, but everybody wanted him to be. And, uh, yeah, I love this movie so much. I bought it when I was working at Blockbuster. This came out, and I bought a bootleg copy of it before it was released in America. <laughs> and then the weekend came out. I went and saw it in theaters. Uh, my mom, my sister, and I watch this every Halloween. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. It's great. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll put this as my three, just because my three kind of all gel together in terms of movies that are... And I have maybe a fourth that I'll just toss as a honorable mention at the end. But my three is Party Time. Excellent. It is Wayne's World. Nice. And Wayne's World changed my brain when I saw it as a child. I keep watching it. It is still good. It keeps getting more and more relevant of corporate takeover of art, of all of these things. But also, it is one of those ones where it manages to do the unthinkable, which is... A, it is genre bending, but the romantic comedy beats work both with the friendship between Wayne and Garth, but also between Wayne and Cassandra. It is a full-on romance, but also a bromance. It is both, and they have this, <laughs> until the handle breaks off, you have to go doctor and pull it out again. You kiss your mother with that mouth? And... It's so well written and perfect. And Spheris talked about how when she made it, like the movie made itself. Like she didn't even have to, like it just, it's one of those movies that where um, De Palma says, sometimes you know a movie is going to be good because it makes itself. You know it's going to be bad when you're slogging through and you're building this wall before the ocean knocks it over again. But sometimes you just make a movie and it just, it just occurs. And, Wayne's World is a bolt of lightning. It is from the gods. It is 
unbelievably good, unbelievably funny, unbelievably touching. It's Wayne's World. And the end is amazing. I'm not going to spoil it if you've never seen it, but didn't like the mega happy ending. And I've learned that the love between a man and another man can be both platonic and romantic. Um, anyway, so uh, what is your... Um, <laughs> that was my three. What's your two? My number two is Obvious Child. Mm. Obvious Child is an amazing movie. It is going modern. Movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, modern. It is Jenny Slate. Mm. She gets dumped by her boyfriend after she comes off of stage doing comedy. She goes and bombs continuously after that, getting wasted and wasted till she goes and has a one night stand with somebody. And then she gets pregnant. Her whole life's falling apart. She decides to get an abortion. And then she goes through with the abortion. She winds up seeing the one night stand again. And then the crazy spit is they start dating and seeing each other and they're okay with the abortion. It is one of the most, it is a modern romantic comedy. It's also it's like a Ben Fold song. It's the opposite of a Ben <laughs> Fold song. Actually. It takes away all the stigma yes, from abortion. It is an amazing movie. Jenny Slate is unstoppably funny and adorable. Also, most certainly is. her father in this movie is played by Richard fucking Kine. <laughs> of course he He's is. He's a hero among men. He is. He is also in this makes like three or four jokes about being Jewish and they are all amazing and hilarious <laughs> just as he is. Well, I have to see this now. I, I, this yeah. is the only, I think this is the only movie we've mentioned so far that I've never seen. There's a, movie, a couple of movies I didn't remember, but I, yes, I will definitely see this. I'll definitely see this. I'm glad you recommended it. All right. Yeah. All right. My two is, and kind of all these final three or four are just movies that I just put on if I'm ever, down or whatever, and you just watch the 40-year-old virgin, just turn it on, and you just turn it on, and it begins, <laughs> and several of the montage sequences, I defy you not to laugh at, the montage sequence of Steve Carell's life before he starts trying to get with women, where he is in his house doing karaoke. <laughs> Playing video games and doing karaoke by himself and painting like Warhammer figures. Now your pants are blue. Like there's such every little line. I, it's one of those movies that's so funny and so good. Every time I watch it, I find something I laugh at every single time. Something I f didn't quite realize was there. The <laughs> I changed my number. I moved. I changed everything. Well, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Do you want me to be fucking retarded? <laughs> <laughs> be David Caruso in Jade. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Jesus Christ, do what you got to do, okay? Figure out a way to watch it. Pay what you have to pay. Change your life. Change your life, okay? I know people who watch The Office and stuff over and over again. They watch... Other Seth Rogen movies over and over again. They've never seen The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And I say to myself, what is going on? What is happening to you? Why would you do this? Anyways, over here, what's your one? Are you doing an honorable mention or no? We could do that. Yeah, you want to do an no, honorable mention? No, I, mean, I, don't, I yeah, don't. Let's do it. What's your honorable mention? My honorable mention is, it's a tie. Hmm. It's about a boy, which we mentioned, and then also Super Modern came out two years ago. Yeah. It's the favorite. Yeah. Because that is truly hilarious. Is it romantic? 
It is romantic. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. It's a love triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Which often romantic comedies yes, are. Exactly. You can't have a real romantic comedy without a triangle. Yeah. Some sort. And you know, to quote James Acaster, mm-hmm. all triangles are love triangles when you love triangles. That's well, my nose is bleeding from how deep that is. Yeah. Wow. It's and I pass out. <laughs> also, the Whites brothers, I gotta give them a shout out. They are very underrated and about a boy and just always making these kind of funny, touching movies. And what's his face? Beast, that kid. Um, Nicholas Holt. Holt, who I like very much and yeah, has always been fantastic. really good. Always been really good. Able to pull it off. And his mom. She's awesome. She's amazing. And Tony yeah. Collette. Tony Collette. So good in everything. Yes. And Tony Collette is amazing. And it kind of, to give Hugh Grant a little bit of credit, it's when Hugh Grant starts to turn a corner a little bit and play things that are a little different than Hugh Grant. Like he's starting to turn the Hugh Grantness and not be necessarily Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is good. We didn't mention it, but Four Weddings and a Funeral is very good. Yeah. But this is Hugh Grant as a real person yes. with real problems yes. and real things he has to mm-hmm. overcome mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, getting through all the weddings, I guess. Very Hornby in that way. Yeah. Where you have a character who has flaws and they have to... You don't really ever get over your flaws, but you accept them and understand them and yeah. try not to fucking exactly. put them on everybody else. Now, what is your one? My number one is Amelie. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Who else would I be Bonjour. if my number one was an Amelie? Um, Je suis désolé. Directed by Je suis... Jean-Pierre Jeunette. This movie Jeunette. is perfect in every way. It is hilarious. It is touching. The cinematography is great. It is. I drove when I had a car. Mm-hmm. I drove around with the soundtrack to it in my car every day. Also, it's a full ensemble piece. You have all these characters. All of them are trying to overcome all mm-hmm. these things. Everyone has to grow as a person. Everyone's doing all this stuff. Yeah. It's great. And yeah. also, it's funny. It has one of the funniest bits about a homeless guy I've ever seen where she's at the train station. She goes to give him money, and he's laying there with his dog. And he goes, in French, obviously, but in the subtitles, he goes, oh, no thanks. I don't work on Sundays. <laughs> he's French. He doesn't work any day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has to take a nap. Eat that, French people. That's right. That's a dig. I love you. Je suis désolé. Je t'aime. Tu es le millier. But I love Amelie. It's a great movie. It really is. And I like Jeanette's movies. They're really fun and weird. And they're always, even when he's being put into weird Hollywood roles that he shouldn't be in, they're still fun and weird. My honorable mention, I'll do that, is Rushmore. I adore Rushmore. I saw it with my dad when it first came out. It was the first time I saw a Wes Anderson thing. It blew my mind. The curtain opens. A curtain opens. And then in cursive, it says The Fall. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like some sort of weird pop version of Truffaut. Like what the shit is going on? And then you have fucking these actors that, you know, other than Bill Murray, you you haven't really seen before and they just sort of explode off the screen. And I can't gush enough how much I love Rushmore. I feel like it is in terms of the way to write a movie, a, a perfect film, a 90 minute film. It's unbelievably good. And Jason Schwartzman blows everything out of the fucking water. The weird plays that they put on that are, they do a play of Serpico. I mean, when they do the play of Serpico, and also his best friend is Dennis the Menace from the Dennis the Menace movies, and that kid is awesome with friends like you who needs friends. He's my aunt's uh, neighbor. I just, it's so good. It's so preposterously good, and I don't know necessarily you're right whether it is a true rom-com but I love it. And the bittersweet ending of that is amazing. And I adore it. So that is my 
you know, honorable mention, but my favorite romantic comedy is High Fidelity. I said this before, I said at the beginning, what came first, the music was misery. People worry about kids playing violent video games. No one seems to worry about people listening to literally thousands of hours of songs about heartbreak. <laughs> it's unbelievably good. It maybe doesn't make as much sense if you're from if you're not from Chicago, but I think it does. I think it does. And if you're from here, it makes even weirder sense of this culture of what the fuck is going on. But Cusack is a super dreamboat in it. You can still smoke in it. He has sex with that lady from the Cosby show. Jack Black becomes Jack Black in that movie. You get to see Wicker Park in the 90s. It's wild. It's crazy. See High Fidelity. Do it. Do it. What's wrong with you? It should be on the Criterion. It really should. Stephen Frears is a master. He's a master director. The shit that he pulls off is awesome. John Cusack is one of our best actors. It is unbelievably good. It's unbelievably good. That is my number one. And I think, I think we did it. I think we did it. And I think, well, everybody, to sort of put a, a pin on this Valentine's Day rom-com episode, we're going to triple kiss me and Nicholas Sauter and super producer Brian Tepps. So hold on a second. It's weird. Our beards are all getting tangled together. Ow, ow. Okay. Um, You've got red on you. <laughs> so we love you. Please... Rate and review. If you like the show, if you stuck around this long, please tell your friends. Rate and review. Hit us up. We're big on Instagram. Kind of pulling away from Facebook because fuck Mark Zuckerberg. I know Facebook owns Instagram, but whatever. So it's a dark world we live in. But we're very much so on Instagram. Please follow us on Instagram. Uh, Blockbuster Film School. Pretty simple. Sleepy Menthol is Nicholas Sauter. I am Bonzo with three N's. Come and follow us. We have fun bullshit going on all the time. Come to Chicago and say hello to us at the Bucktown Pub. We're there a lot. And just, we love you guys. You're doing a great job. Happy Valentine's Day. It's nice that they had a holiday about a guy who was in love with a 14-year-old or something. I don't remember how it worked and the Catholic Church murdered him. I'm not entirely sure how it worked. I don't know. But Hallmark seems to know. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to do Easter. Why don't do this? Hey, but at least Easter was an old pagan holiday where they yeah, had rabbits yeah. and fucking. Um, anyway, all right, everybody. That was Blockbuster Film School. We'll be back next week, back to our regularly scheduled program. We might be in the middle of some stuff, but we had to do this because it's Valentine's Day, and we've been ordered by the Hallmark Corporation in order to do this. So we love you. We love you. I'm well, in love with hold you. Hold on, hold on. Mm. It's Valentine's Day, and I have to be honest with people. I don't love you, mm. but I definitely like you. Yeah. That's true. I'm in like, I'm in like with you. I'm, mm, God, touch my heart right there. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. See you next week.